Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now, here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida! Welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. Matthew's already on the Zoom. Hi, Matthew. David. Matthew. We're recording this on your birthday. We are. Happy birthday to me. And I would like to do a slow birthday strip for you right now. Oh, I really don't think we have time. I'm sorry. What? We are. What? Is it frozen? Is, is... That, am I frozen? Hmm? Am I what, frozen? Uh, Matthew, I can't. I, I think I have to end the. Oh, oh no, wait. We're, we're okay. We're clear. Oh, oof. so I thought very quickly before we start talking about this episode, David, it would be fun to do a little deep dive about what was going on and David's birthday. Just wonderful things that happened on August 15th. Oh, okay. Sure. Sure. In history, David, that I'm sure you already know. But it'll be fun for our listeners. <laughs> Again, we have different ideas of fun. <laughs> Woodstock happened on your birthday, David. Did it? I did not know that. It did. First day of Woodstock. And we all know what a mess that turned out to be. Mm-hmm. Parallel lives, lady. In 1968, David, the year you were born. Let's go back. <laughs> Did you know you're as old as the movie Funny Girl? Oh, yes. Very, should, very much so. That should make you want to walk into the ocean. Laughing <laughs> was the number one TV show the year you were born, David. Yes, it was. Right up there with the excellent entertainment of Bonanza and Gomer Pyle USMC. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hair opened on Broadway, David. Yes, yes, it did. 68. Yes, yes, it did. You're as old as hair. <laughs> and and I'm losing mine, which is oh. not not fun at all. <laughs> oh, gotten old a bitch. You share a birthday with Deborah Messing, David. Yep, we were born on the same day. She is my twin sister. Absolutely. Love Actual her. Actual same day. Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck shares your birthday, David. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's why we look so much alike. And the wonderful Jonas brother, Joe Jonas, David. Oh, that's new information. I didn't know that was, I didn't know it was his birthday. Well, it's interesting because it reminds me of my last three-way, which was with the Jonas brothers. Really? Well, I know what you're thinking. There's three of them and one of you. That makes a four-way. But we made the ugly one hold the camera. and everybody knows which one i mean when i say the ugly jonas brother poor kevin (laughs) that was all i was i mean it wasn't really about me so i lost interest about halfway through my deep dive into your life david (laughs) okay that was so sweet of you i also i know that i share a birthday with uh julia child Mm -hmm. napoleon um linda ellerby Journalist Linda Ellerby, and of course, the wonderful Rose Marie. Oh, yeah. From the Dick Van Dyke show. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of awesome people have my birthday. And yeah. I appreciate that. Another uh a, a gift that I got for my birthday that I was not expecting, a sinus infection. So that's what the explanation is of this weird extra nasal version of my voice, dear listeners. So We're going to push through it. We're going to hope the post-nasal drip doesn't rob me of my ability to speak altogether. And uh, we're going to power through this because I want to record these shows and we need to discuss the amazingness that is Season 9, Episode 3, Rumor Has It, which had an original air date of October 17th, 1987. I loved it. You did? Blair is gorgeous. 
She is. She really is. And oh my God, Matthew, I, I'm sorry. I went too far here. I was so uh, uh, proud of myself for doing such a smooth segue into getting us started. Uh, we have a new Tutti Fruity. Oh my we have God. to give a shout out. A new, wonderful, amazing person named Sarah R. And Sarah R. is not just a new Tutti Fruity. She provided me with information I did not know. Uh, and she sent me a very sweet note. Uh, regarding the Mouseketeers at Walt Disney World episode mm. of TV Talkaholics, which was recently released onto the Let's Face the Facts stream. Uh, she told me, she said, you probably already know this, but she went, Shantae Northcutt, who plays Shantae the Mouseketeer, would go on to be on the Facts of Life, playing Tootie's friend Madge in the episode Who Am I? When Tootie's got that group of friends of young African-American girls. Oh, yeah. One of those is Shantae from the, the new Mickey Mouse Club. I totally missed that in her credits, and we did not know that. And uh, thank you, Sarah, for bringing that to my attention. That's that's really fun. You know, we love those connections. That was, by the way, that was season two, the Who Am I episode. That was so long ago, wasn't it? It was, David. Crazy. It was. They changed out the cigarette machine for the candy machine in that one episode. Ugh, that was BM before Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and just another Sarah shout out. She ended her uh, her sign off on the email was you rock like Cooper's rock. Sarah, isn't that sweet? <laughs> that makes me that makes me want to go on a rock hunt with uh, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so Sarah, welcome to the family. And if you want to be like Sarah, you can join our Patreon. Only $3 a month. Membership has its privileges and you get what you pay for. I do not send nudes. I I'm sorry. You're welcome. I just don't want people to think that our Patreon is, is a way to get to get nudes. David. No, I, um, no, you have to join our OnlyFans for that. <laughs> OnlyFans.com slash face the facts Yeah. <laughs> Is there a podcast that has an OnlyFans? If, if anyone look, if, if you're listening to us, we're probably not worth looking at. Let's just go there and yeah. vice versa. I got a face for radio. <laughs> Oh, bless. Oh, bless. So, um, yeah, you you ready for some nuts and bolts about the episode before we start talking about the magicalness of this? You never have to ask me if I'm ready for nuts. Okay. This episode was written by Michael Porius. He has already written three episodes in season eight called The Wedding Day, X Marks the Spot, and Rites of Passage Part 2. This is number four for him of five total episodes that he will write. The final episode uh, we will hear from him on is season nine, episode 13, Something in Common. That's when Joe's fiance, Rick, meets Charlie, her dad. I think that might be Charlie's final appearance on the show, too, our, our last Alex Rocco dose. And uh, we've talked about him many times before. He would go on to create That's So Raven and Hannah Montana. And the episode was directed by John Boab. I am ready to synopsize, Matthew. Are you ready for my synopsis? Hit it! It's the first day of classes at Langley. Tootie and Natalie are navigating a change in their friendship dynamic. Tootie, who was always a year behind Natalie in high school, is now a year ahead of her at college. But the actual big A story is Blair starts attending law school. Her professor's known for having a roving eye. And when Blair goes to meet with him at his office, his wife walks in on them and assumes the worst. Blair's classmates, who are garbage people, by the way, also assume the worst. And Blair considers dropping out of law school because of the false gossip about her. And who is minding the store. So that is the synopsis. Oh, all I wrote down was, Joe goes to a family reunion. <laughs> And if you watch the syndicated version, they lop off a sizable scene at the beginning where we see Joe and she mentions that she's going off to this thing. So if you're watching the Daily Motion version, you don't even see Joe till like 
you know, 19 minutes into the show and you're like, oh yeah, where the fuck has she been? But thankfully she says, yeah, I've, um, I've, I've been away at a family reunion for one day. Not when her grandpa was in town from Poland for her graduation. Um, but anyway, anyway, anyway. Well, what did you want her to say? I broke my foot, so they wrote me out of this episode, basically. <laughs> well, well uh, perfect uh, segue into our, our deep dive analysis. This actually, Matthew, was the first episode they recorded for the season. They recorded this before they recorded Down and Out in Malibu. So this is... Which means uh, they wrote it before they wrote Down and Out in Malibu. But they wrote all of it with Joe with the... They, they had to change everything with the, with the ankle. We have four episodes where Joe uh, is dealing with the ankle. And they're broadcast out of order. So the first one they filmed was this one. Then they filmed what will become episode eight, Arose by Any Other Age. That's the one where Blair is dating a guy who's actually into Beverly Ann. And in that episode, Joe has, I'm making air quotes, thrown out her back. So Joe is in bed or on the couch the entire episode. And then they did Down and Out in Malibu. That was episode three and four in taping order. And then by the fifth episode, which is next week, the cast is off. So they only had to deal with writing the cast and the, the broken ankle into the show for four weeks, four episodes. Clear as mud? Like a flock of turtles. Yeah. <laughs> so um, one thing about this I, I talked about last week was that Natalie's hair isn't red anymore. Uh, clearly, this episode, the first one back from summer break, clearly Mindy Cohn uh, had had it done. Her hair is brown and very brown in this episode. So clearly she had a very definitive, intentional change of hair color that starts to fade a little bit over the next few weeks and looks a little more natural. But in this episode, it's very, very shoe polishy colored. And I will I will miss the red hair always. I think that was the best look for Natalie. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, um, Matthew, you want to just start uh, throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what we think about this episode? What do you want to start talking about? Well, I have questions as far as like a couple of, I don't know if you want to start off with TV tropes, David. Oh, hit me with the TV tropes because there are a lot of them. The very first one that I noticed was that Natalie and Tootie come downstairs. Immediately, Natalie gets a glass of juice. Do, is that a TV thing to have juice in a different container? Oh, in a pitcher. Yeah, you poured the juice from the carton into a pitcher and put it on a tray. Well, I mean, in this house where the dining room is three rooms away from the kitchen, maybe they did have to. But <laughs> but I agree with you. I totally like have they uh, you said they filmed this first, so maybe they hadn't built the kitchen set yet. Correct. That's true. You're right. So, You're so right. So, but I was like, why isn't that just taking place in the kitchen? But I didn't know that. But then she takes a sip of it and literally leaves it on the table oh. and leaves. So yeah. I, had a, I had a real problem with that. And I wondered if it was just like in my world growing up, we left the orange juice in the picture it came from the store in. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do with that picture now? After everyone's, the girls have had, who put the picture out there? Is Beverly Ann still their, their servant? Is she still playing mom? I'm supposed to now wash a picture? <laughs> You're so right. When you are I so did, right. Like, and milk too. On TV shows, they do that with milk also. They'll take, yeah. clearly, it's like, you know, it's one thing to think maybe they took the concentrate out of the freezer and then you need to put it in something to mix and mix it with water. But milk. Milk. I'll give them that benefit. But one thing I noticed with milk is less with the containers and more how they just leave it in the middle of the goddamn table. <laughs> it's like you take the milk, you pour it and you put it in the refrigerator. It goes bad. What's wrong with you? 
So that was one issue I had with like TV tropes. And again, I could have just been from a white trash family that just used the the picture that the orange juice came in. No, you're not white trash. We did the same thing. We got orange juice that came in a carton, like a milk, you know, half gallon. And yeah, that's what you pour it out of. And then you put it back in the fridge. And my other one, the other one, the only other one that I noticed, um, I'm not a lawyer. David, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not. You're sure about that? I'm not a lawyer and I've never played one on TV. But <laughs> is it a TV trope that law students or lawyers know all of these cases? Like, it's always like, oh, but what about bootlicker versus Johnson in that case? Oh, today we're going to discuss armpit versus crotchal region and it just i don't understand <laughs> like is that a is that a real thing for lawyers to be like i can cite this case like i i don't understand i don't know lawyers enough to really know if that's something that is because there were constantly through this episode oh would you please tell me about hayes versus the state of oklahoma N- nope I, mm, yeah I, i'm sure there have been a couple people versus the state of oklahoma i bet but well, I, I'm sure that in in law circles they have their the landmark cases that they all kind of have to know that like you know they they have to know the way we as everyday people know Brown versus the Board of Education we know Roe versus Wade we know right cases that were foundational to big laws we have in this country but I would I'd be inclined to agree with you that the first day of law school 101 that they'd walk in and say, all right, would you please tell me the case of Abbott versus Costello? Yeah. It's like, um, no, it would be open your textbooks and we're going to talk about, first of all, let's, you know, what, what are the cases? Is, Is it a civil rights case? Is it corporate? You know, the one that Blair is talking about is some type of a alleged landmark case where, uh, a company tried to fuck an employee over from his, um, from his pension or something like they dis a wrongful dismissal suit. Well, that's, that's a civil thing versus a criminal thing versus a, yeah. I'm inclined to think that this show, like all TV shows has grossly oversimplified the educational process. Well, and I'm sure like when you're a lawyer and you take on a case, you research other cases that are like this. So I'm, I'm guessing like, that would be the case. But like you said, first day of law school, let's talk about Johnson versus Johnson. What? How about we get a syllabus or something? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> or not just a syllabus, uh, something to accompany the TV trope. This is my TV trope that I fucking hate is the the teacher that walks in and says, this course is going to be so hard. I'm going to be so tough on you. You're going to wish you had never been born. And blah, blah. There were rumors that I am unreasonable and irrational. All of them are true. All of that stupid shit of the, the, the teacher walking in and saying, what a difficult asshole I'm about to be for you. It's like, um, okay. And, and you think that, Number one, you think that works from an educational standpoint? And two, I never had a professor come in and ever do that in any of my four years at college. So so that's a trope that I really hate. We got that when Mrs. Garrett went back to college, remember? With yeah. that, the crazy yeah. Shakespearean. It's either, that, it's either that teacher or this teacher is a, a college professor. And they're insane! Yeah. Oh, okay. We get it, Sam Kinison, and back to school. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We got yep. it. Um, I did also want to talk about this. Um, another TV trope. And again, it's the 80s. I get it. It's an easy joke. Joe says at the beginning, the crutch will come in handy in New York. Ha <laughs> ha! Because New York is dangerous, Middle mm-hmm. America. You do not want to go near New York if you're from Indiana. Stay safe. Yeah. Stay away. From New York, it's the it's a fucking wasteland out here. You've seen that Kurt Russell movie, Escape from New York. That's what it's like here, Middle America. Don't come near us. You'll need a crutch to beat people off of you. Jesus Christ! 
<laughs> and yet Joe, you know, needing a crutch to to beat away the muggers and all the rapists who are piling on you, yeah. uh, couldn't manage to not get mugged when she was out in California two weeks ago. Have someone run and grab her purse from her. It's like, ugh, really? Well, that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> but, well, in, in our timeline, it has. In her timeline, right. it has not. It's in so fucking confusing. Joe, this we have to remember that this season is like a Back to the Future episode because they're on a different timeline than we are. (laughs) They're in the multiverse, yeah. (laughs) But the last TV trope I have, where is it, where is it, where is it? Um, Oh, we're back to this whole freshman bullshit. Oh, my God. and And I did not go to a college like Langley. Is that a thing? Like freshmen aren't allowed no. to freshmen aren't allowed to drive on campus. Your kids. Oh, these children. I just oh, come on. That is 150,000% high school. This isn't the, the ugh. I it have, wasn't even in high school really. I mean it just it just doesn't it's just not people again, I don't know. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It even in high school you know, making a freshman wear a certain hat to point out what a dorky freshman you are. And freshmen can't park on campus? How how the fuck do you get there? So where do they park? How do they fucking go to school? What do they do? Park in the driveway of a house nearby? What the shit is that? How do they tell? I mean, we at our college, we had certain, you had to get a pass to a certain parking lot. Well, you had and to as a freshman, a... you couldn't get a pass to one of the quote unquote good parking lots, but you still had a place where you could put your fucking car. Jesus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's funny. You put that under TV tropes. I have an extensive list of uh, what I could best describe as stupid shit. <laughs> okay. And that was one of them. The first one is the initial conversation of, oh, Natalie, you're a freshman now and you can't park on campus. And then later the thing with the hat. Um, uh, I I put down the professor who gives a lecture to the class about how tough he is. Ugh. But again, this isn't, these are not TV tropes. This is just stupid shit that happens in this episode where you're like, oh, come on. When Blair is like, I really want to discuss this case with the professor. And he's like, well, my office hours would normally be five to seven, but I'm working late tonight. So come by around 9 p.m. Yeah, come by to a professor's office, young female alone at 9 p.m. So that is some stupid shit right there. Thankfully, uh, both Beverly Ann and Tootie are like, wait, what? That does not sound right. You know, at least we had that going on in there. But then the stupid shit of when Blair is in the office and the wife bursts in and accuses them of, you know, and him and saying, you know, I would call you a two timer, but this is more of a 10th timer or whatever. But then Blair awkwardly stumbles out of the office and is dropping her books and her papers everywhere. And the three garbage people students who were in her class acting like total cunt bags are standing around in the hallway of a, a building where a professor has an office and holds their office hours at 9 p.m. Yeah. Absagod no. <laughs> if a professor's working late until 9 p.m., he's he's correcting papers at his house. No professor is on campus after 5 p.m. They're like, fuck this shit. They are, you know, that's that's ridiculous. And uh, so that was that was really, really annoying to me. Why couldn't it have just been any time? Why did it have to be a 9 p.m. thing? If he said, I'm my office hours are five to seven, come by around 630. There'd have been nothing wrong with that. But I, I take issue with the idea of that being a problem that she's going to be raped if she goes to a professor's office. But then I realize that women actually have to fucking live with that. Uh, Women actually have to live with not walking at night, not trusting men. And Mm -hmm. that's awful. So I was like, okay, I can dig that. But then if that was the... I know it's a sitcom. I know it's a comedy. But... (laughs) 
have Blair kick him in the nuts or something. Yeah. And and have her and have the and have her have a speech in front of that thing. Let me tell you, you all think we, we were fooling around. Let me tell you what happened. He tried to rape me. So sit the fuck down and stop spreading rumors that I'm a whore. All that like they they just took didn't take it far enough. Or he just he was like, I'm leaving because of rumors. Bye. Yeah. But but are they rumors? Because your wife seems to think that they're not. Yeah. So I just didn't like the the resolution of of like this was a real girl power moment that was missed. I felt like agreed 100 percent. Yeah. I'm not sure I was ready to see a rape attempt on. No. On the facts no, of life. No. But, I'm not but, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that for dramatic effect. But I yeah. mean, like, you know, he came on to me. I walked out. That's what happened. Yeah. You know, so like. I just would have liked them to take it in a more girl power direction than than they did. Yeah, absolutely. I I would love would have loved that. Would have loved something different than this. You want to talk about the actor who plays Professor Cat? Meow, meow. Yes, yeah. please. Yeah. Teeth notwithstanding, he is an attractive gentleman. I'm not going to notice his teeth when my face is buried in those socked feet. Oh my god. <laughs> He is a tall drink of water. His name is Frank Luz. It's interesting. F-R-A-N-C, Frank, which is a very French yeah. name. And then Luz, which is very Espanol. But um, he is uh, coming to the facts of life fresh off of 90 episodes of the soap opera called The Doctors, which what ran in the surprise. late 70s. Yep which ran in the 70s from uh, actually he was on it from 79 to 80. He will be back in season nine, episode 14. I guess Blair interns at a law firm and gets involved in a big case. And that's where he is working now that he's no longer teaching. So she's going to be pitted against him. That's going to be interesting. I hope unless it's not Um, a first year law student up against a college professor for law. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You guys <laughs> legally blonde before it was legally blonde. Lisa Welchel should sue Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, I would. Yeah. But he has 41 credits, uh, which end in 1999. Uh, according to Wikipedia, a longtime enthusiast of the fine arts, Luz became involved in many New York area museums and exhibition halls since retiring from acting in 1999. He has become a trustee for several of them and also works as a tour guide. So how, how, how did Hollywood survive his retirement? Uh, I don't know. How did Hollywood survive? Uh, he probably couldn't cut his hair. That is some serious residual mm. 1970s hair going on mm. like the wingspan of that shit that's some vinnie Barbarino. um no no what that that triangular like dustin hoffman and tootsie 1982 that was that was that was 87 hipster hair was it yeah is it okay i don't remember that it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't look 70s like, you know, he belongs in uh, in a hippie, like, you know, in the movie Hair or whatever. But it's, uh, what it is not is a mullet. It is long man's hair that is not a mullet. That's the um, the important thing to note. While we're talking about the actors playing certain roles, why don't we talk about Rebecca, his wife, who stumbles in upon them. Her name is Bonnie Campbell Britton. That's hyphenated, Campbell hyphen Britain. And uh, this is the only episode of The Facts of Life she will be on. She only has seven credits, and uh, this is her final one. So I think she got out of the business. Uh, I I have to say it. This is another one of those situations where you're like, um, he looks 25 and yeah. she looks 45. Yeah, he did. He lo- her his wife. Yes. His wife looked 45 and he he looked 25, but he was 37 when they filmed this. Oh, okay. Wow. So youthful 37. Though the, I loved um, the girl's line when they were talking about all his nicknames and she said, and his wife's personal favorite, Tomcat. 
Tom Cat, K-A-T-T, was a very popular porn star back around that time period, David. Oh, was he? If I showed you a picture of him, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I know that dude. (laughs) (laughs) Google Tom Cat, T-O-M-K-A-T-T. I'm doing it right now. (laughs) We'll be like, I know that dude. (laughs) Oh, my God. I totally know that guy. Oh, I totally have movies with him in it. <laughs> yep, that fucking dude. <laughs> yep, yep. But that's a um, that's a name that predates the '80s porn star name. You oh, know, a Tomcat. Oh, yeah, that's but... a, that's a middle-aged vaudevillian writer joke. If ever I heard it, you know. Or is it a middle-aged vaudevillian gay writer, David? Oh. He... He might have been like, wink, wink, Tom Cat, K-A-T-T. Or wasn't William Cat very popular? He was, yes. From, <laughs> wasn't he in? Greatest um, American Hero. Yeah. yeah. And, that had already and, come and gone at this and point. Pippin, didn't he do Pippin? Yeah, he did Pippin on the Broadway. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Um. But yeah, the wife, I was like, ooh, casting-wise, I'm not sure I'm getting this. She was fine. She was fine. If we're talking about the supporting cast, I didn't hate her nearly as much as I hated that Rhea Perlman-looking bitch in the in the law class who obviously <laughs> doesn't wear glasses in real life because no one who wears glasses in real life uses them as a prop. Exactly. And, and she was over propping these fucking glasses. Yeah. And it was driving me nuts. And it was yes. just, it was like, you're on TV. We don't have to do a stage whisper. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's literally sitting behind you and you're just as loud as anybody. Don't know why she's bothering. That or you bought her an A. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. I, okay. Wow. Everybody. Did, <laughs> did we? Could we have maybe I the director John Bob could have said like I need you're in a small space I need about ten percent of what you're giving me. <laughs> well, that actress Yvonne Kizios, who plays this character named Amanda, this is her only episode of The Facts of Life. Thank she God. only has eleven credits in a fourteen year career. What? I know. According to IMDb, she now teaches high school English and drama in Reno, Nevada. I hope she doesn't have a, a student like her in her <laughs> class. But I mean, yeah, for playing up the villain, I mean, oof, what a horrible garbage person she is. Now, the girl without the glasses, the sort of second fiddle to this uh, this trifecta of two girls and a guy. The guy I didn't even write his name down because he's, um, he's oh. inconsequential. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, Frances Megan is the one who plays Jane, the the girl without the glasses. She's been on the show before, Matthew. Oh, Jesus. She previously played Jill in season seven, episode five, Men for All Seasons. Remember that girl that George Clooney could not get a date with? You know, ugly George Clooney, who always struck out with the pretty girls in Peekskill, New York. She's like, (laughs) take a hike, loser. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, and which that that character interaction brings me to another question I have um, about the writing in this episode, and that is the way they put that the dynamic between those two girls was the one girl was like, I don't know nothing about none of the teachers in this school, and she's the old she the glasses girl is the old she's the old I've been here a while kid I got stories yeah and. and but then, which wasn't, which was fine. But then when they got back and she's telling Tootie what happened and Tootie's like, oh, Tom Cat, everybody knows about Tom Cat. I'm like, Blair's not new here. No, Blair's been at the school longer than you have. And Tootie doesn't even go to that law school. So- which is presumably a different building. Yes, yes. So, so why would Tootie know? And I guess, I mean, they, they justified what they're saying. If, if you use public bathrooms, you'd read what we all read on the walls. <laughs> that, like, was, that was one of my favorite jokes in the whole show, which yeah, is genius. I, did write, I wrote it down and put, I actually LOL'd. Yeah. Um, but 
Um, so that just bothered me how it was like, some of these students are like, I've never heard of no teachers. And other students are like, oh, this teacher will butt fuck you. And it's yeah. like, what? Yeah, who, why, what, what is this information pipeline that some people are clearly missing and other people are deeply connected to? And and that's it. And this same girl, this this, you know, the Contessa there with the glasses, she's like, yeah, well, you know, we know how she got into school. Warner Hall, Warner Auditorium. I'm like, uh, yeah, Blair's been here for four years. Did you go to another college glasses lady? And now you're moving on to law school at Langley. It's like, OK, well, where did you go to college that you didn't know and didn't notice? What <laughs> you know what I mean, and and therefore yes. you don't know Blair for how small this college we are learning it is. This seems like a college where everybody probably knows everybody. And also, I I took issue with the fact that like Blair's acting like this is the first time it's ever been insinuated that she got something because of her name. How dare they? What? Yeah, this is all new to me. Let me. <laughs> Let me go cry about it in Blair Library at Eastland, for Christ's sake. <laughs> like, what? When I, I, at her I, own graduation, she had just said, uh, I'm Blair Warner, Warner in Warner Auditorium in Warner Hall giving a speech. You have a fucking problem with that? Right. I was like, <laughs> I, I, again, I, I blame the writers, not the girls, but I, I wish they would have, by this time, Blair should have a, a comeback for that. I mean, mm-hmm. she's been living with that her whole life, and she. Yeah. Well, Matthew, we're being such negative bitches here. How about something positive? Blair has some fiber on. <laughs> I noticed that too. It was back. The fiber <laughs> on was back. Tootie actually, I think, pours out of it. Tootie actually, or is it yeah. Blair? No, they well, they both, I, I think, well, I know we see Tootie do it, but she does it with the label facing away from the camera. Yeah. No, it was Tootie because she was on the right table in that blue pantsuit. And again, yeah. you're hanging around the house and then about to go to your classes at college. You put on a blue pantsuit with football player sized shoulder pads. They're amazing. Holy shit. They are 80s-tastic. Yeah. They are yeah. insane and ridiculous, and I love every inch of them. Good yeah. God. And Blair looks great in her pink suit. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, great. She does look good. Um, I, I do have a different good thing, positive thing I wanted to bring up. But before, while we're talking shallowly about the appearances of the girls, <laughs> um, I'm about to blaspheme here and say that I don't love Blair's hair this season because the bangs they've cut into it don't come far enough back. She still has too much hair on the sides of her face. They'll floof up the bangs, and and the hair gets longer as the season goes on. They'll floof up the bangs, but the hair is still too much on her face. I just wanted them to cut them back a bit. Not like Betty Page, where they take them all the way back to the fucking temples. But you know what I mean? I feel like she she could... It's like, Lisa Welchel, show your damn face. It looks like they're kind of fighting the cut in certain episodes. Um, I actually wrote that Blair, Blair looks better than she's ever looked. And she only has gotten better with age. And she is stunningly beautiful and i agree with every one of those statements <laughs> and the there far be it for me to say there's ever room for improvement with lisa welchel that is something particularly as we get to the end of the season when we're into the the her buying eastland when her hair is long it's down below her shoulders it 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 looks a little bit long and blankety and i can already see why it's because the cut now is weird. I'm surprised I didn't put a little bit more of a of a bang into her. But but how about a show Bible good moment, Matthew? Yes, please. After the commercial, when they're sitting around eating their fiber on breakfast, uh, Cloris Leachman does say, uh, you know, I did hear from Oliver that the word going around campus is that the wife walked in on you and Professor Cat in his office naked. <laughs> and she's like, I didn't believe it. And of course, <laughs> Natalie's like, you were naked, horny Natalie. You were naked? Why was he naked? And uh, But Oliver, 
she Beverly Ann. Yeah, she mentioned Oliver. And I'm like, well, I'm happy because the last time we saw him, we knew it was his final appearance, the wonderful Orson Bean as Oliver. Uh, so that was left kind of ambiguous that maybe they were breaking up. But then later we we said that we kind of had to leave it as a um, it was the one with her ex-husband, your favorite episode with Dick Van Patten. Mm. And uh, but we ended up with the episode saying, OK, it almost feels like they might be breaking up. But in fact, we're like, no, no, no. He was just like, girl, you got some shit to work out. And when you do, give me a call like, you know, I, I'm just going to leave. But um, anyway, it's great. I don't know if there's any other mention of him. But now this is something we will have to track. Is Orson Bean still alive on the show? Did by mentioning them, did they think they might be bringing him back? And uh well, yeah. bringing up bringing up Beverly Ann, um, why she's got this whole thing where she's got to decide what she's going to do with the PTA. Yes. Now that she's a parent, she's so excited. Why have we completely glazed over Beverly Ann becoming a parent? If you as the writers have no idea what to do with her, do that. You've got a middle-aged flighty woman who's now a mother. It yeah. writes itself. You, all the mistakes she's going to make, all the confusion, getting advice from four women, young women, about, come on. They just mm -hmm. completely glazed over. Like, they're like, one episode, they're like, I'm going to adopt you. And now she's fucking filling out PTA papers. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I agree. I agree. It's, it's kind of one of those, it, it was a strategic move for her to adopt Andy, but then it's like, now what are we doing with it? Mm. And, ugh. but, um, so when uh, Blair does go to class, when she is sure that uh, Professor Cat will explain everything to the class and set the record straight, that's when Dean Stanton shows up to take over teaching the class. And this actor, we've seen him before, Matthew. Charles Summers plays Dean Stanton. Previously, he played the president in season seven, episode 23, The Graduate, when they're having their fantasy dream sequence that Tootie would be the second female justice on the Supreme Court and therefore would be the one swearing in the president. I wrote down, well, they found the worst actor to, to oh. play this part. <laughs> Why is no one looking at me? Yeah. Oh my God. Bless he is a veteran character. I didn't write, I, I meant to deep dive on him. I forgot. I forgot to write down how many credits he has. But the, the thing I was happy about was that he wasn't Dean Parker. Remember how everybody, the name Parker keeps popping up on the show. And at one point, Mrs. Garrett's like, oh, sorry, I'm late. I was at Dean Parker's house. It's like, wh who the fuck is Dean Parker? So clearly this is a different guy than the episode where Joe had to be on the radio all night two years ago. Um, I wish it would have been Dean Jones. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but so I guess Dean, Dean, this Dean must, Dean Stanton must be the Dean of the, of the law school of Langley uh, law school versus maybe just his first name is Dean. Maybe, but Dean Jones. I forgot about that. She mentioned Dean Jones in the in the graduation. Place uh, a lot of deans. What else do we have to say about this? Well, David, the last yeah. thing I have, and it's again, am I being too woke? Am I being too insensitive? But the last scene, why does she have to put on the glasses? I know. I agree. What's with this running thing with glasses? Blair has never worn glasses. Here's our chance. We've got, we're putting a woman going through law school on TV. Let's make it so she's got to wear glasses. Otherwise people won't think she's smart. Yeah. Or let's put her in glasses so she looks like a nerd. Come on, do better. Yeah, I agree. That was stupid. For those watching the Daily Motion version, there is a thing at the very beginning where she's asking the girls, do these make me look? Should I wear the glasses? It's like, girl, get over yourself. Get over your tropes. Yeah. Something I did love about this episode is all the turmoil and Blair deciding she's going to quit law school because she can't deal with it. 
we have a Natalie ethics moment. Natalie says the girl when the girls are trying to bolster Blair and kind of say, no, you can do this. Natalie says, you know, hey, I'm not a quitter and neither are you. I'm putting up with all this freshman stuff. So next year I can torture the freshman myself. And then Blair says, so you're saying I should stay and spread rumors about some other innocent law student and questionable ethics. Natalie, what does she say? Whatever floats your boat. Ha <laughs> uh, ha! Beverly Ann does have some words of wisdom, sort of ish, but it is not until Joe gets back from her family reunion where she just cuts to cuts to the bone. She's just like, "Well, what's going on?" And Blair's like, "I'm quitting law school." She's like, "No, you're not. That's crazy." She's like, "What am I going to do? Go back and let them keep talking about me?" And Joe says, "Well, do you have something to hide?" And Blair says, no. And Joe goes, well. And in that moment, Blair is like, fuck, she's right. And Blair says, welcome home, Joe. As opposed to last week, which was, Joe's not here. And I'm so happy because we're fucking enemies and hate each other. Meh. This was a great Blair and Joe moment. There's so many this season. There's so many wonderful Blair and Joe moments. I can't wait to experience them all. I love them all, especially now as an adult. I watch it. I'm like, they're really friends. True. It's these. This is great. Makes me happy. When they don't revert to that other stupid. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Shit. Yeah. It's an Oprah stand in your truth moment. It's one of those like, girl, it doesn't matter what they say. You know what's really going on. You, you know. Well, they had one at the beginning. She said, do you think I'm cut out for law school? And Joe says, well, you'll be up against some of the brightest minds in law or some of the brightest minds in the country or something like that. And then she goes, so, yeah, you'll be fine. Oh, oh Joe, yeah. come here, give mama a kiss. <laughs> so a weird thing in that final scene, when Professor Cat comes to class and makes this presidential speech yeah. about due to even though I have repeatedly denied them, rumors persist. And they have been totally disruptive to my classes and my marriage. So I'm resigning. Does he now, only have one class? I, I don't know. I, or, or is he just waiting until, now I got to go do it for law 202. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> now I got to go resign in front of them. Yeah, I got to go to my 230 and then I got to go across. You know what? I'm going to grab a, a, a protein shake on the way to the, the 730 class. Yeah. Um. But Blair comes in late, okay? And she does finally put the Contessa garbage lady in her place. And she says, so these are just rumors. And she says, like, they could say you are a cross between a big mouth bass and a skunk. And then all the students laugh at her. And she says, but you know, it's not true. Even though <laughs> with you, I might have my doubts. But anyway, Blair says, no, no, you can't quit just because of rumors. And he says... Miss Warner, by the way, calling your students Miss Warner, Mr. Arter, Mr. Almeida. No, fuck that. That is not college. Jesus. Not even in law school because it happens in Legally Blonde, too. Does it? Yeah. Maybe. OK, maybe law school. I, I did go to college. I did not. But believe it or not, I did not go to law school. Uh, but anyhow, he says, Miss Warner, if you came to class on time, you would have heard what I already said. These rumors, however false, are disruptive to the educational process. It's like, bitch, I read the transcript. I went back on the video. You did not ever in that speech say they were false. He just says they are rumors. I have repeatedly denied them. And yet they persist and they've been disruptive. Yeah. So it's like, what did you just call up? It's like, Bitch, if you showed up on time, you would have heard. No, she wouldn't have. None of us did. Lion Tomcat. Mm. Anyway, so Blair then has a passionate speech of we need to separate rumor from fact. We're law students. What happened to innocent until proven guilty? And his final words to her before he leaves is, I think you have an excellent future. And she says, but you're still leaving? And he says, yes. And then Blair says, well... I'm not. And sits down, hits the books, and we know she's staying in law school. 
And we know she's serious because she's gonna she's gonna put on her glasses. Goddamn right, those fucking glasses tell everything we need to know. So we're at it, the end. It was a Blair-centric episode, and I was here for it. It was a perfectly lovely 22 minutes of fluffy, happy, silly. Ladies sitting around the house in full business suits, relaxing. Yeah, going to professor's offices at 9 p.m. and not thinking they're going to get jumped on and tropes and TV tropes. Don't you you love that one of the reasons we aren't going to do a Golden Girls podcast is because we are afraid we would hate watch it now? Oh, that's a shame. (laughs) <laughs> at least we had a couple good seasons of love but i do actually not I, i'm finding the joy in season nine of it just being completely bananas b-a-n-a-n-a-s bananas and yeah. i'm okay i'm okay with that we're gonna have to i am having to let go of so much in spite of all the tv tropes in spite of all the stupid shit that i listed here we just have to say okay we we need to cling to those blair and joe moments happy to do it yeah all right well next week we're going to be watching season nine episode four before the fall if you want to watch the show ahead of time you can do so for free at dailymotion.com i will post the link in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. other than that that is all for now thank you for listening to this week's show and remember the facts of life are all about Johnson versus Johnson. <laughs> that was, I believe, the landmark baby powder uh, case. Yes, versus, versus the drug pin, drug kingpins. Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't tell if they were selling cocaine or Johnson and Johnson powder. And funny enough, the guy's name was Johnson. So it's really Johnson and Johnson versus Johnson. History recited. <laughs> Listeners, you are welcome. (laughs) Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.